When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. My name is Victor Furman. Some call me The Voice. I've always been fascinated with human nature, spirituality, science, and the crossroads at which they meet. Join me now and we will explore these topics and so much more with fascinating guests, authors, and experts who will guide us to Destination Unlimited. In 1970, the Moody Blues released a groundbreaking album entitled A Question of Balance. Dawning is the Day was one of the songs on the album written by lead singer and guitarist Justin Hayward. The lyrics said in part, So rise, let us see you. Dawning is the day. Miss Misty Meadow, you will find your way. Wake up in the morning to yourself. Open your head and look around you. Listen, we think we have found you. The theme of the album was addressing the seemingly unanswerable questions and finding the answers in the recognition of our humanity, compassion, and love. In 2020, the questions seem deeper, much more difficult to answer, and almost insurmountable. Is there a way that we may reawaken to who we truly are, find that balance, and live with love? My guest this week on Destination Unlimited, Amoda Ma, says there's a path to awakening and balance. Amoda Ma is a spiritual teacher, a warrior of the heart, sharing a fresh approach to the age-old search for spiritual freedom. Her teaching features timeless truths in ways that are highly relevant and alive to this moment for contemporary seekers willing to go to the raw edge where spirituality meets humanity. Since 2012, Amoda has been offering meetings and retreats to support and deepen the living of the awakened life. She's been a speaker or guest teacher at a variety of conferences, featured in several magazines, interviewed for numerous broadcasts and podcasts, and has written four books with translations in five languages. She lives in New Mexico. Her website is www.amodama.com, and she joins us this week to share her path, her wisdom, and her new book. Falling open in a world falling apart. Please join me in welcoming to Destination Unlimited, Amoda Ma. Good evening. Good evening, Victor. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. Actually, it's five books. This is the fifth one. <laughs> ah, this is the fifth one. We have to update your biography. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Amoda, please share with us about your early path and before your awakening. Very traumatic. I used to say that I felt like living in a shoebox. I, I was very constrained um, emotionally, psychologically. Um, I had an incredibly strict father. Um, my roots, my ancestry was unknown and there was always a veil of secrecy around that. Um, and so I, 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 I was brought up not knowing who I am, <laughs> um, not really knowing 
whether my parents were my real parents. There seemed to be some lie around that that I wasn't being told, but I could feel it because I could hear the whispers as well. And there were many traumas um, from finding out that my father wasn't my father under very difficult circumstances. And he then uh, retracted from being my father and to very sudden changes in home environment, in schooling environment. I was uh, a child around 10 years old during uh, the Turkish Cypriot war in the Middle East, in Cyprus, in the 70s. Um, so we had uh, yeah, bombers and all sorts of things happening. And I, uh, many other uh, details, which are far too many probably to even remember, but I ended up being mute. That's what happened to me. I, I lost my, my voice, more or less, not completely, but pretty much partly because of the war and the fear that that induced in me and not being taken care of by my parents and being made homeless, uh, returning back to England with absolutely nothing but a pair of shorts and a T-shirt and being homeless for a while. And then the traumas that I had at school and with my father's increasing alcoholism and violent temper, which became physical, there was a, an element of sexual abuse in that, um, certainly a transgression of, of boundaries. And so I, I just didn't speak. <laughs> that was the result of it. It's um, kind of ironic that I've become a public speaker. Um, but uh, I just lost my voice. And that became an, an emotional shutdown as well. So I ended up in my late teens, uh, early to late 20s, classified as clinically depressed. And even though I managed in the end, uh, I was a high achiever at school. So all these shocks and traumas really set me back. And I had to work really hard to overcome that. But I did end up uh, just about getting through to study at university, the University of London. But during that time, I was classified as clinically depressed. I was completely isolated. I had no social interaction with anybody. I was a mute. I was an extreme introvert. And I was taken to various psychologists and psychiatrists, and none of them could actually get me to speak. So we didn't get very far with mm. that. Um, I was so shut off. It was unbelievable. I did attempt suicide several times. And still I managed to, 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 to get my academic qualifications. Um, and then something dramatically changed in my late 20s. A combination, I think, of, well, it was my Saturn return. So I was 28. And that's a major uh, time of, of transformation. Many, many suicides uh, happen around that time. Um, we know that in public figures like Kurt Cobain, um, I think Amy Winehouse, and so on, who, who all killed themselves around the age of 28, 29. And that was my, that was, that was my thing as well. I, I came to a point where this is it. I tried several times, and, and this was it. I, I needed to have a breakthrough of some sort or to see the meaning of, of life, to, to really see God, even though God wasn't something um, that I believed in. I was pretty much an atheist. And 
I just needed something. <laughs> and so otherwise that was it. I, I was out. And three things I think came together around that time. One was I I did have a boyfriend at the time and he was a long distance runner. And even though I was completely unathletic, unsporty, no interest in, in uh, physical exercise whatsoever, he managed to drag me out running. Um, and somehow, even though I was extremely unfit, I managed to build up to six or seven miles. And I experienced a transcendent experience. Um, in those days, uh, I think that was the early 80s, there wasn't really any talk of the runner's high and there was no real understanding of the correlation between physical fitness, aerobic fitness, uh, the peak experience, uh, transcendent experience, uh, and loss of ego self. And that's what I experienced, even though I had no framework for it. I went on to dedicate my PhD research to that very topic. There were only four studies in the whole world that had touched on that topic, and they were all American studies. I was in London, and I decided that this would be a groundbreaking avenue of research, plus it fascinated, fascinated me on a personal level and on a, an academic level. That's another story, but <laughs> at the same time, around that time, I touched on, on, on TM um, somehow inadvertently. I, I, it, it, it didn't work for me. It, it made me even more in my head. But somehow it opened the door to an interest in meditation. I also had a, an experience with psychedelic substances, also completely um, out of the blue. I, I was such a good girl. I had not even smoked it or drank anything, maybe a few drinks, but nothing more than that. And, and since I wasn't social, I had no friends. There was no way I could come across that kind of um, recreational behavior. Somehow it ended up in my lap, so to speak, and I had no preconceptions. I, I had no framework for it. I had no background in music or social movements. I was completely in a shoebox. I was, uh, yeah, even though I lived in the, one of the biggest cities of London. But it opened a doorway. So that together with the long distance running, um, touching on meditation, uh, blasted me open. And I had an experience, I, I didn't call it an awakening then, um, I don't think that word was bandied around then, I had no background in spirituality or enlightenment interest in any of that, I was m more an existentialist, uh, sort of psychological existentialist, And but I had what I would then afterwards, once I'd read about it, compared to the experience that Ram Das had where I, all ego, well, not all ego identity, but a, a large amount of my ego identity was seen to be false, seemed to be an illusion. And most primarily my identity in the academic world, you know, I was very identified with that. Um, and I'd spent, I think it was about 12, 14 years in the academic world. And I, it just blasted a hole. And it brought very abruptly to an end all desire to be anything. <laughs> mm. So my PhD research after seven years came to a grinding halt. I 
lots of things happened. My, I, my boyfriend and I split up um, very suddenly after seven, I think it was seven years. We, he lost his business and lost uh, a huge amount of money. We were unable to live. So actually I became homeless. I had no access to any money at all. I had no access to any resources. I had no access to my family, what little family I had. I had no access to any skills to make any money. Um, I got expelled from the academic uh, arena. It was all, it all became an illusory path for the ego self. So I became a nobody very, very quickly, literally sleeping on people's floors and nobody knew anything about me for a while and I entered a whole different sort of world uh, for a period well for a number of years and it led me to India <laughs> and in leading me to India I somehow I had the, the resources to get there and in leading me to India it opened another door which was the spiritual path um, and that had many facets to it, and uh, I don't need to give a list of all the different things that I tried, but it's like I made a complete shift from being in my head to being in my soul, <laughs> mm. in my, yeah, in my, yeah. And, and, and still I wasn't seeking anything, I was just exploring. And this went on for about seven years, but what I learned throughout all of that was, and I didn't learn it conceptually or intellectually, just energetically because of the way my life was going. It was so broken. It was so devoid of any support or resources um, that I, I learned the art of surrender, the sur surrender to what is. I had no choice, really. And that surrender took me to ever deeper places within myself and a capacity to, I guess, meet what was in my experience it's like it really expanded something for me well one thing led to another I, I i ended up after many years of being nobody and doing nothing and living on a very low level of um, material support i i felt i had to give something back to the world so i i uh, somehow i downloaded um Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If that's the right word, um, a method of of working with the body, working with the breath, and working with ecstatic movement. So almost Sufi-like crazy movement for, for, for letting go, for releasing. 
um, opening, catharting, and so on. So it was a kind of moving meditation. And I, I just started doing that in London. And it picked up after a number of years and, and became quite a thing in central London where many people were coming. And I just learned how to work with people. So I managed to kind of build my life up. It wasn't, you know, anything spectacular, but it gave me such a sense of joy. And I was really learning about energetic surrender. Now, I was still on a kind of spiritual path with meditation and so on. Um, nothing, nothing specific, just, just a hodgepodge of all sorts of things. But I came to a place in myself where there wasn't anything that I, that I was looking for. <laughs> mm. um, and in that space, well, uh, one thing did happen. I, I had a m major breakup um, with my, my, my partner then that I'd been with for 10 years, and that was a very dramatic uh, relationship, dramatic and passionate relationship. And I thought I'd be with him forever, but it was incredibly traumatic as well as dramatic. And in the breakup, I ended up living on my own, and I hadn't done that for many years. And whilst my there was a lot of joy in, in the work I was doing, I experienced a, 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 a deep sense of abandonment, which I worked on psychologically and to do with my parents and so on and so on. And I came to a place of peace with it. Actually, it was a great relief <laughs> um, to be to be alone. And then, so by then I'm in my early 40s, and then something uh, revealed itself that was totally unexpected. And I would call that waking up out of the dream of separation at the core level. And what was that that level. happened? What what happened? In the in the in the in the few, you know, I think it was a couple of years of of being alone. And again, I was I was quite a solitary person apart from the the work I was doing, which was you know leading workshops uh, on a monthly basis. I was pretty much 100% solitary, uh, not socially active, and that was fine with me. It suited me. But in that space of spending so much time alone and alone in a gentle space uh, of surrender to what is, I, I came up a, it sort of started to envelop me what I, what I called then and, and call now a dark night of the soul and it had nothing to do with my circumstances nothing bad was happening in fact there was a lot of as I said peace and joy in my life but it revealed an existential aloneness an existential abyss and this went on for several months and there was no cause for it there was no reason for it that you know there wasn't a problem but it just dawned on me, and because I spent so much time alone, I could be very sensitive to it. And I noticed, and, and, and like I said, I, I, I am a practiced meditator, so um, I'm familiar with that inner landscape, if you like. Um, but I noticed a very subtle movement of mind the subtle movement of mind that pulled me away from being with that existential abyss. And it was so subtle that it could easily be overlooked. But in seeing it, I felt and sensed and, um, yeah, that, that this was a pattern, the archaic pattern 
of ego self that is always moving away or moving towards something, never resting fully in the present because the present is death to the ego. And again, I didn't know this intellectually. I just felt it. It's like, it's like the whole lifetimes of, of, of practice and insight and um, searching all came to a moment of realization. And so I kept still in my mind. And it was effortless, but it also was meeting it caused me to meet such an existential terror of annihilation. And I could easily have just got up. I was in my, my uh, living space, and I could easily have got up and picked up a, a book off the bookshelf. I, I love to read, and, and my books are very inspirational. They were at the time. And that was a way of moving away from death, <laughs> the mm. death of ego self because the book would inspire me, then I'd feel good. Or it might be as simple as making a cup of tea, a very English thing to do. And uh, it's very nourishing and soothing and so on. But I just noticed how that was a, a, um, an obstacle or, a, or an obstruction to falling into the abyss of emptiness, where there is an end of the self. And so I just faced it. And in facing it, I didn't expect anything. I just knew that was the right thing to do. But in doing that, and it's quite hard to re remember the, the, the experience, which is why I'm, 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 I'm pausing here, because um, it was quite a long time ago. But the, the sensation was of dying. It was a death of me as a separate entity. Because as I met the existential abyss, I also felt the terror of aloneness, not, not, a, uh, not an aloneness of the personhood, but an existential aloneness, that there's a me here and a vast universe of existence, the whole of existence that's, that, that, that is spread over time and space, that, I'm, I'm, uh, that the me is, is a separate me. Yeah? It's, it's a tiny insignificant and also separate me in this vastness of existence and as I as I sort of died into that the it, it was like a death and it, it it did remind me of the attempts of suicide um, at least on a psychological level and this time I surrendered into it um, knowing obviously, that there was no physical death in it, but it was a profound psychological death. But the amazing thing was that the sensation, the energetic, visceral sensation was of merging into the totality of existence rather than disappearing into the totality of existence. Well, it was that, but it was also a merging into it. So I became the totality of existence. Mm. And so I called it merging into God, um, and I've done enough tantric and shamanic work to 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 recognize that energetic merge merging, <laughs> yeah. But this was total. And when I came out of it, and it must have lasted just a nanosecond. I don't think it was very long, but it seemed like an eternity at the time. It's like time and space collapsed. When I came out of it. I didn't think, oh, my God, I'm enlightened now or I've awakened. 
I didn't think anything. But I was very, it's like I was very new, like I'd been born in innocence, like I'd been born and something was very fresh. And from that moment on, somehow I was able to live life each breath, each moment, each step, yeah? in full presence and full openness with yeah it's like the identity all like layers of identity all all separation just dissolved i am life is what i came to i am life there isn't life out there happening to me i am life and i understood what jesus said when he said i am the way i'm not quite sure i mean my 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 um my knowledge of of of, of uh, what Jesus said is not a hundred percent in any way because I, I I didn't read all that. But didn't he say, "I am the light, I am the way, or I am life, I uh, I and life, I and life are one," or something like that? <laughs> what a wonderful, wonderful awakening! My <laughs> guest is Amodama. She's the author of "Falling Open in a World Falling Apart." Amoda, please tell our listeners where they can get your book and find out more about you and your work. Well, you can find out uh, about my work, uh, uh, my website, um, amodama.com. That's ma with a double A. Um, And the book, Falling Open in a World Falling Apart, which was just released two weeks ago, is available on Amazon, is available on Barnes & Noble, uh, probably many other online stores and also directly from the publisher's website which is Larson Publications. And we'll be back with more of Amodama and falling open in a world falling apart <laughs> after these words on the Ohm Times Radio Network. The best of the holistic, spiritual and conscious world. Ohm Times Radio. IOM FM. Ohm Times Magazine is one of the leading online content providers of positivity wellness, and personal empowerment, a philanthropic organization. Their net proceeds are funneled to support worldwide charity initiatives via Humanity Healing International. Through their commitment to creating community and providing conscious content, they aspire to uplift humanity on a global scale. Ohm Times, co-creating a more conscious lifestyle. Hello, I'm Sandy Sedgbeer, host of Ohm Times Magazine's flagship radio show, What is Going On? My passion is sifting through information, research and innovations from new thought teachers, speakers and researchers pushing back the boundaries of what we know about life, energy, metaphysics and the universe. I love shifting perceptions about who we are, why we're here and how quickly impossible becomes normal when we open our minds, expand our awareness and accept that the only limits that exist are those we place upon ourselves. So if you're the kind of forward-thinking, eager investigator of what lies beyond the current reality that most perceive, why not make a date to come play with me in the field of possibilities at 4pm Pacific Time, 7pm Eastern Time every Thursday. And together, we can discover what's really going on. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. 
Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. So I'm a cat and I just moved in with this new human and she's got this little toy she's always playing with all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese. And guess what? Egg rolls showed up like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Hello, I'm Lisa Berry. Join me every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time for Light on Living. A chance to see new, hear different, and feel more as I shine the spotlight on all the ways to lighten the load of life's challenges. Light on Living is your link to that new way you're looking for, that new understanding that will enhance your life, and that positive connection that will support your growth. So join me and you'll gain insight and start to see things in a new way that motivates you. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn. But not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day, and it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument. Building a sandcastle. Hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting FeedingAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Hey everybody, it's time for today's STEM tip. Want to know how to make your selfies even better? Okay, let's use science. The best time for photos is golden hour. That's the moment right before the sun sets, when the atmosphere scatters blue and violet wavelengths, making perfect, soft, and golden selfie light to show off that beautiful face of yours. Click. Check out She Can STEM for more inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Back on Destination Unlimited, my guest this week is Amoda Ma. We're going to be talking about her book, Falling Open in a World Falling Apart. 
You've said that life is the guru. What does this mean? I mean that life, and this was how it was experienced prior to awakening and after awakening in, in my own experience, life itself is always inviting us to surrender. And surrender is a vital um, component of awakening. Um, I, I sometimes say that awakening itself is, is in some ways easy because it happens. It just happens. You have no control over that. Um, at some point, in some lifetime, it happens. But that's not the end of it. Surrender to awake consciousness is is vital, um, and life is the ongoing invitation to that. So it doesn't stop after you know it doesn't stop at an awakening experience or even a full awakening it then has to be embodied and lived and how is it embodied and lived because everything that we experience in our intimate relationships in our in our worldly interactions in the work that we do every single aspect of our lived experience is the invitation to uh, meet that experience from the depth of our innermost, in other words, our, our natural and innate state of open awareness that is not a given after awakening. It's, it's an ongoing invitation because very often awakening happens, but it's somehow separated from the the, the, the mess or the challenges or the difficulties of everyday life. And it's especially true in the realm of intimate relationships because awakening is really of the mind. I don't mean of the intellect. Um, I mean uh, it's a quality of the mind. We, we, we have a different view from having a dualistic view. We have a non-dual view. So that's the end of separation. There's no longer a me um, having an experience separate from life. Um, there's a sort of 360-degree revolution of consciousness where you see not from the myopic uh, viewpoint of the ego, but from the totality. Um, uh, but when that awakening remains as a, as a waking up out of ego self, can stay there, but it needs to inevitably flow into the heart. And in the heart is where we experience defendedness uh, from past experiences, armoring, um, especially in intimate or close relationship. And for awakening to be fully lived and fully breathed, our experience our life experience through our relationships, through the places that we're triggered, where the places that we uh, revert to reactivity or, or defendedness 
that has to be purified. So life is always inviting us to the to know ourselves and to to meet life from the openness of that that is not just of the mind but of the heart and of the whole being. So you say that we should be fully awake and fully human at the same time. Yes, and that is that can be misunderstood to mean that it's okay to be human in the sense of being reactive or um, you know having the same unconscious patterns, whether they're behavior patterns, addictive patterns, um, and so on. That's not what I mean. What I mean is 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 going back to what's just been spoken of, where awakeness has to filter into our humanity in order to be embodied and lived. And that filtering into our humanity is a purification process, a purification process that brings an end to defendedness, brings an end to um, the violence, the inner violence that comes from rejecting our experience or bypassing our experience. It's really uh, the same as saying being in the world but not of it. Mm, Yes. How would you describe openness? Well, I speak about openness in many different ways because they're all all the words are pointers to it. It's it's not a thing that can really be encapsulated in words. Um because any attempt to do so makes it conceptual, makes it a thing, makes it an idea, puts an image into uh people's heads as to what it is and then the personality self or the personhood rather tries to um emulate that openness or learn techniques to be open and so on and really what i'm pointing to is much deeper than that what i'm really uh pointing to with the word openness is our essential nature as open awareness or we could also say silent awareness that which is here prior to the birth of self prior to the content of our experience prior to any thought or any feeling it's the space within which every experience appears and disappears Mm. so we could use the metaphor of the sky the sky that is always here it's not a thing it doesn't have a boundary it doesn't have a beginning or an end or a top and a bottom it's timeless you can't locate it Um, and it's always here and our experience if you like our, our 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 life is, we can liken to the clouds, but our attention, most of humanity's attention is on the clouds, the content of their experience. It's good, it's bad, Uh, I I want to hold on to it, I want to reject it, I hate it, I love it, it's it's wrong, it shouldn't be here, it shouldn't be happening to me, and so on and so on. Mm. 
and that is the unconscious state. So I'm talking about the recognition of that which is more present, more intimate, closer than close, close, deeper than deep, which is essentially who you are. Not really who you are, but what you are. Mm, Yes. Many people advocate setting boundaries as a way of protecting themselves emotionally and spiritually. Why doesn't this work? Well, there's healthy boundaries in the sense of being able to or having the capacity to say yes and no according to your inner authority. Um, So when I speak of surrender, very often that gets mistaken for saying yes to everything. And you can say yes to a harmful situation or an abusive situation or something that's outlived its purpose. You've outgrown it. So it's not about saying yes in that way. Um, So there are healthy boundaries, but creating psychological boundaries in order to protect yourself, did you say? In order to protect themselves, yes. From being hurt or from being abandoned or from being rejected, that's a false protection because it simply creates an armoring around the heart. So the heart is then not open, there is no vulnerability, and there is no honesty. When we create boundaries, psychological boundaries, to protect ourselves from being hurt or abandoned or rejected or disagreed with or misunderstood, then not only do we um, tighten and uh, become defended, and become dishonest with our own feelings. So we then create uh, mental and emotional acrobatics to pretend that we feel something that we don't feel. So it's a great (laughs) cover-up. Absolutely. What do you share with those who feel that they need to continually search for a path? Uh, Well, there's there's two types of searching. There's the searching for a path in the sense of um, always looking for the next thing or uh, the kind of tendency these days for a spiritual pick and mix. Um, Grass is always greener on the other side. I'll try this spiritual technique or I'll follow that path and that's the way and so on and so on. And that becomes a spiritual shopping bag. And that spiritual shopping bag gets filled with experiences and concepts and things and simply add to the spiritual ego. Um, So there's that kind of searching. And there's also the kind of sincere uh, seeking. I would call it a sincere longing to come home. Mm. And coming home is the end of the search. Mm. It's the full stop. It's the dying into this. This. This is all there is. This. And there's such a a suchness in this. There's such a deep acceptance in this. This is the surrender. So it's paradoxical. On the one hand, stop the search. On the other hand, have a burning desire, a longing to come home that is primary, that is beyond any other desire. 
Her name is Amoda Ma. Her book is called Falling Open in a World Falling Apart. We'll be back with more after these words on the OM Times Radio Network. Ascending Hearts is no ordinary dating site, but a spiritual dating site with a purpose to link you with your soulmate. We engineer the serendipity so you can trust that you will attune with someone that has the same matching vibration as you. Ascending Hearts, the conscious dating site for the spiritually aware. Try Ascending Hearts for free. AscendingHearts.com Humanity Healing International is a small nonprofit with a big dream. Since 2007, HHI has been working tirelessly to bring help to communities with little or no hope. Our projects are not broad mandates, nor are they overnight solutions, but they bring the reassurance that no one is alone and that someone cares. To learn more, it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Please visit humanityhealing.org. Humanity Healing is where your heart is. Hi, this is David Strickle. I'm excited to share my brand new show, The Stream of David Live, right here on Home Times Radio. Each week, I'll have exciting guests, and I'll channel the eternal wisdom of the stream, a group of non-physical entities whose teachings have transformed lives all over the world. So join us for an uplifting hour each Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern. That's The Stream of David Live, right here on Home Times Radio. A social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Learn more at She Can STEM. A message brought to you by the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) 
Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Back on Destination Unlimited, my guest this week, Amoda Ma. We're talking about her book, Falling Open in a World Falling Apart. In your book, you say the beloved is inside every experience. Who is the beloved? Oh, well, again, it's not a who, it's a what. Um, It's pretty much the same as saying life is the guru. When I use the word beloved, I am pointing to, again, the invitation of life to meet what is here in your experience, the direct experience, the felt sense of this experience, without resistance, without avoidance, um, because everything, even the most difficult situation or circumstance, even the most turbulent um, or unbearable feeling or emotion is an invitation to love. Why is it an invitation to love? Because when we are gentle towards our experience, Being gentle towards our experience means we do not try to push it away or reject it. There's no narrative that says this shouldn't be happening. It is happening. I am feeling like this. Yeah. Hmm. When that narrative isn't there and there's only the gentleness of meeting what is here, then everything that appeared to be so um, unbearable, everything that appeared to be a punishment, uh, is it softens. It's an energetic um, entity, if you like. I don't mean that as a being that exists outside of self, but a, an energetic um mass of energy that when we meet it in gentleness, when we meet it in acceptance, when we meet it in, ah, this, it softens. And that energy dissolves and returns back to source in your heart as love. That love is just the okayness of what is here it's a tenderness it's a gentleness it's a quietness and in that way everything returns home to source in you when we meet it with violence in other words this shouldn't be happening i don't want it it's a punishment it's wrong or i'm wrong or, yeah and then there's a rejection a resistance and avoidance a tightening then that energetic mass whatever it is that feeling that emotion that experience that felt sense that sensation it solidifies and just stays in place so it's trapped it's trapped and you're trapped 
both are imprisoned and that creates separation. There's a thing out there, a feeling, an emotion, an experience I don't want and it becomes a thing. And that's how we perpetuate the separation of the ego self that strengthens the ego self everything dissolves back into love love is not the same as liking but the love that is our essential nature as openness it's a deep okayness with what is because what is is <laughs> yeah so it's, it's ridiculous and insane to fight what is Mm. And it just transforms everything. That's like, that's, that's the beloved. The beloved is inside everything. That's the merging that I spoke of in my experience of awakening. The world and life itself became the beloved. It was a tantric experience. No more separation. One of the greatest gifts we can give each other is presence. Often this is something we fail to even offer ourselves. How may we be more present with ourselves? Presence is... See, everything leads back to the same place. Presence is the ability to be with what is, or the willingness to be with what is. When we give our allegiance to the narratives of the mind, this shouldn't be happening, this shouldn't be happening to me, uh, and whatever might follow from that, which is usually something to do, I'm not worthy, or I'm not special enough, or I'm not loved enough, or I'm not spiritual enough. When we give our allegiance to those narratives, which is the mass of hu humanity's unconscious state, we cannot be present with the depth of our innermost experience and the depth of our innermost um, nature. Being present is turning our allegiance away from that narratives to the most intimate experience that there is, which is our I amness. Just this simple I amness. That's very kind. That's very gentle. That's very tender. Again, it's 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 a death of the ego self. So for many people, there is resistance to that. But as you touch it and feel it and um, sense it, there's such a peace in it. There's such a relief in it that um, you know. Hopefully one would turn towards it more and more. And as you say in your book, tenderness is surrender. Yes, yes. I mean, one of the questions that I, I get most often or very often in my, in my teaching uh, is how to do surrender. But surrender isn't a how-to. It can't be done with the mind. It can't be done with the ego self. If we could turn our attention, instead of trying to learn how to surrender or understand how to surrender, it would be better to be tender towards what is in your experience. And when I speak about tenderness, I would say most people, 100% of people understand what that is because we've all been tender somewhere. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. What would you like readers to take away from falling open in a world falling apart? It's a message of uh, encouragement, uh, perhaps, to, to not be afraid of what appears to be falling apart, whether that's in our personal lives or on a worldly level, um, because it's the most potent invitation to a transformation of humanity on an individual and collective level that is so necessary and so ripe and that has enormous gifts and blessings, the blessing of freedom, the blessing of love, um, the blessing of peace, that, yeah, the book The book really, I, I mean, I didn't write it, because the world was falling apart, I wrote it before that, and even the title was there before that. Mm. So it's kind of strange that it all happened um, as as the book was being written. I, I was really talking about the um, the process of awakening yes. and pointing to that, um, really based on the many dialogues I've had with people. So it was it was it was born out of weaving those dialogues together, and. Uh, but it, but it is a message not just for the individual waking up. It is a collective message that we are standing at this incredible time. I call it a bifurcation point where we could collapse back into ego or we could really wake up. And um, it's not just a spiritual thing. And I think that's probably something I, I'm, I'm, that might come from the book. That it's not just for spiritual seekers. Um it's not just about getting enlightened, although it is that as well. But it, it is it is openness. I think speaks to 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 it more broadly and um, than 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 speaking about awakening or enlightenment, because openness is something that most people will recognise, usually on the surface level, but as we dialogue on a deeper level. And that it's more accessible, and I, I feel that that's what that's what's happening in the world. That that's why we're here at this point in in humanity. Absolutely. Her name is Amoda Ma. Her book is called Falling Open in a World Falling Apart. Amoda, one more time, please tell our listeners where they can get your book and find out more about you and your work. The book's available on Amazon. It's available on Barnes and Noble, and it's available directly from publishers Larson publications um, and you can find out about my work uh, at my website which is amodama.com Amoda thank you so much for joining us and sharing this very important message thank you Victor it's been delightful having this conversation with you and thank you for joining us on Destination Unlimited I'm Victor the Voice Furman have a wonderful week <laughs>